On this Monday, and uh, of course we bring you the Shop Stewards Corner every Monday, taking a look at uh, what's happening in the lives of working people, what's happening uh, on the shop floor, and uh, of course uh, all of the happenings there. And uh, this evening, we certainly have a perfect opportunity to discuss what many people are suggesting might be a critical part uh, of uh, government's economic recovery plan, and that is the localization of uh, key value chains and uh, industrial sectors in South Africa. And today, we sharpen our focus on the clothing, textile, footwear and leather industry, uh, where stakeholders have teamed up to identify and execute on opportunities to deepen localization and uh, to bolster production in the sector. And uh, certainly comes at uh, a timely moment uh, where production volumes have declined by 30%. And it seems uh, there's some bold ambitions to have uh, just a shy of uh, two-thirds uh, of uh, fashion sold in uh, retail stores in South Africa being produced here in South Africa. To tell us a bit more about this, I'm joined on the line by the National Industrial Policy Officer at the South African Clothing, Textile and Workers Union, SACTU, Etienne Flock. Etienne, good evening to you and welcome. Thank you, Aya Bonga. Good evening to you. Etienne, maybe start us off here. I mean, uh, you certainly, I guess, as a trade union in this sector, you've organized in the sector for a very long time. Uh, you would have had in the past conversations with the producers in the sector, uh, with some of the destination markets where South African goods are sent to, and even, uh, I guess, uh, much closer to the consumer, the retailers themselves, about whatever challenges they might have had in the past in, in localizing their value chains, making sure that the significant local content. What, what, what have some of those challenges been? Well, what is it that has, I guess, contributed to this reluctance uh, to uh, really source some of their products locally in South Africa rather than maybe from uh, some of our Asian counterparts? So historically, one of the, if you look back at the 2000s specifically, Ayabonga, one of the, the big difficulties that we had was, was the very strong rand. You know, it meant that, you know, I think at five, six, seven rand to the dollar, um, imported garments were significantly cheaper than, than local garments. And, and, you know, that didn't matter how productive we were. Often the, the imported garments landed cheaper than, than what we could get the raw materials for. And that placed us at a, at a significant disadvantage in, in trying to ensure that these retailers, these South African retailers, source from, from South African manufacturers. In recent years, with the, with the currency significantly weaker now, it is much easier. You know, it's easier to, to, to present some kind of proposal to retailers that would be more interesting to them. But there's, there's a couple of other important shifts. So one is that, you know, one of the major destinations or, sorry, origins of, of the garments that come into South Africa is China. And wages there have increased significantly over the, the, the past decade or so, which has also meant that, that imports have, uh, from that country has become more expensive. And then the other significant um, uh, factor that has played into, into our hands is really the shift to kind of quick response and and um, ensuring a quicker replacement of product in stores. It means that retailers rather want the certainty of ensuring that they have the right garment on their racks at the moment than having to wait several months for imports. So South African uh. manufacturers being quite close to these retailers mean that we can um, you know use our our uh, uh, locality and, and use the fact that we are, are close to their warehouses and distribution centers. So these things, you know, are, are, are all helping to ensure that, you know, we, we are in a significantly better space than what we were some years ago. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like the point you're making there, of course, about shorter lead times if uh, the manufacturing is happening here in South Africa. But but one of the big issues that have certainly been, I guess, uh, facing the South African textile sector, which has uh, made us probably not as competitive as we might like, even if uh, we're able to access and uh, have some of those volumes, is the investment that is being made in working capital and capital and machinery and uh, everything else. Have we been able to overcome some of those challenges and, I guess, do some of the multi-sectoral uh, 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 you know, deliberations between the social partners get us closer if we haven't uh, to being able to ensure that our industry is properly resourced in terms of the machinery that uh, is latest, cutting edge, and uh, would make sure that we're able to compete. Yeah. So, so once again, you know, if you if you look back um, twenty or, or twenty five years and you think about the nineties and the two thousands and 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 the Got a well-documented job, jobs bloodbath in the in the clothing mm. and textile industry. What exacerbated that was the fact that because companies were st- struggling as much as they did, there was very little reinvestment into the, these companies. There was very little kind of strategic focus, looking you know into the future and trying to figure out you know what needs to be done to to survive in a few years. It was really just about the kind of a day-to-day survival. And the negative of that uh, uh, on our members was that, you know, while you could survive for a few days and a, and a few weeks, you know, inevitably with, within a short space, you know, there would be retrenchments and closures. And, and so what happened in the beginning of the 2010s is that the government introduced a, a kind of a flagship incentive for our industry, which is called the uh-huh. production incentive. And it, it allowed companies to earn for producing uh, products locally to, to, to earn a credit which they could use to refund um, uh, purchases of new machinery or, or, or refund the training of workers or bringing in an industrial engineer to change the way they produce on the shop floor. And that, you know, has, has meant that the 2010s has been much better than, than previous years. Because there's been a lot of recapitalization in, in, in factories, a lot of new machinery brought in. And, and thankfully for us, it's, it's not meant a, a huge amount of job replacement, but more a chance to, to um, uh, become more competitive and in that way create even, even more jobs locally. Etim, uh, and I guess, you know, just on that score, I mean, that structural change that we've seen there and, uh, of course, how being in a tight squeeze has influenced the factor choices that many textile producers have had. Uh, it's certainly something I want us to come back to because uh, I think on the one hand, it's, it's one thing to make sure that the machinery and the partnerships are there to make sure that the machinery is on site and, uh, you know, we have the uh, proper industrial processes and, uh, you know, your contribution as working people to that alongside even employers themselves certainly is something that's crucial. It's something entirely different to have sufficient demand so that you can have uh, you know, the orders that justify some of that investment. And we'll come back to some of those themes and just your assessment of demand conditions and how critical those are going to be to uh, some of these localization efforts. 19 minutes it is after 8 p.m. We're going to take this brief break. When we come back, we'll continue uh, with uh, Etienne Flock from Saktu. ABC. 21 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our Shop Stewards Corner segment. And uh, today uh, we're touching on the role, of course, that uh, workers are going to play in uh, some of the muted localization efforts. And I shouldn't say mooted because uh, certainly we have been talking here in South Africa about localization for a long period of time. And uh, it seems now uh, no uh, more is it urgent than uh, where we find ourselves. Uh, where We've seen uh, in the first half of this year uh, sales falling uh, 20% adjusted for inflation and also seeing production volumes declining 30% as well in the sector. And uh, you can imagine 
that this undoubtedly will also have a double-digit impact on uh, employment uh, in the sector if, uh, of course, uh, we certainly don't sort out some of the issues uh, associated with localization. I'm in conversation with Etienne Flock. He's the National Industrial Policy Officer at ASACTU, one of the uh, unions that organizes in this particular sector and uh, probably one of the more dominant unions in that particular space. And Etienne, uh, before we went to the break, I guess I was um, sort of uh, hinting at the fact that I'm quite interested in your assessment of demand conditions and how important consumer demand and preferences are going to be uh, in making sure that all of these localization efforts actually come to something. Yeah, I mean, it, it plays a, a crucial role, Ayabonga. Uh, and and we, we're seeing the difficulties that, that um, you know, COVID-19 has, has brought to us. We, uh, we keep a monthly job loss database, which we have done for 20 years. And our organizers in the different branches across the country report to us when there's been retrenchments, report to us when a factory is closed or been liquidated. And the kind of numbers we, we're seeing, um, you know, is close to the, to the numbers we last saw in the early 2010s, which was, you know, as I, as I indicated, um, the 2000s and, and the kind of turn of the, of the decade. Um, was was a was a tough period, and and so the numbers we're currently seeing is is a return to that. So so it is a great concern. We're losing iconic factories, you know, whether it's a a suit maker here in Cape Town or a large auto manufacturer, sorry, auto mm-hmm. leather factory in 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 Gauteng that's that's retrenching significant numbers of workers. So so you know clearly the the, the demand the, the 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 lack of demand is causing problems, but. You know, as as we say in the union, don't mourn, organize, and and that's our jobs. You know, is is not to lament about these things, but to find the opportunities to to save our members' jobs. And and there are a couple of opportunities for us. The first one is that because of COVID nineteen and because of you know the the general the pandemic across the the world, it means that many supply chains have been broken. So you know those traditional supply chains that have come from you know the east in terms of garments, for instance. Many of those are, are struggling to be reestablished, or they reestablish and then they, they fall away again. So for uh-huh. us as a, as a country, if we can step into those breaches and, and you know, take up that space, that, that's one opportunity for us. So even though demand may be down, let's see if we can replace the, the, the imports that would have come in so that at least the kind of local demand stays stays the same. Mm. And then the other mm. part of it is to see the other way that we think we can stimulate demand is by fixing customs fraud. You know, we we, we have an enormous amount of customs fraud, illegal imports in, in the clothing and textile sector, a lot of uh, cheating, uh, uh, a lot of non-payment of import duties, and, you know, that's that's a separate program on its, on its own in a, in a very interesting uh, 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 field and, and concerning field. But what is happening is that SARS is starting to do very good work again. Uh, you know, during the kind of state capture period, we, we saw SARS basically collapse doing very little in, in terms of customs fraud. But, but we're seeing a lot, of, uh, a lot of action again. We're seeing a lot of political will on the side of SARS. We're seeing them chasing uh, court cases, uh, stopping uh, uh, containers and, uh, and profiling uh, illegal importers and, and making sure that those goods can't come in. And so if we are able to fix that, then you know, that will also see a significant increase in, in demand. Okay, all right. Um, and, and I mean, maybe just talk to us about some of the uh, conversations you're having with the retailers, because uh, I guess on the one hand, the manufacturers are only but one part of uh, this particular value chain. 
Uh, we've seen some consolidation happening, uh, you know, on the retail side uh, uh, downstream. Uh, how has that affected, I guess, some of these localization initiatives, if at all? Yeah, as I said earlier, you know, I think the fact that, you know, if you look at the one of the top performing retailers in South Africa at the moment, it's one with a significant local supply base, but also one that owns a, 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 a significant local uh, supply base. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's because it's able to, or, or it, uh, this allows it to, to quickly replace product in its, in its stores. And, and, you know, we've seen in the past half a decade or decade, other retailers noticed that and, and, and moved more towards that. So we've recently participated in a, in a merger at the Competition Commission where, where a, another local um, retailer is, is buying, you know, a, a, a factory and supply chain. And so, so there is more, much more of an interest in, in retail, uh, to source locally and not necessarily for patriotic reasons or all of that, but, you know, because it makes sense in terms of what they're trying to achieve. It allows us to have better conversations with the retailers. It allows us to, to enter into social compacts like the, um, uh, retail clothing, textile, food, and leather master plan, you know, which we, we signed about where we 11 months ago. And, um, and, and it allows us to, to have better conversations with them. We also finding that mm. the retailers are buying into the concept of decent work. You know, so, so, so when they source from uh, South African factories, they're insisting that those factories need to be compliant with the, with the local bargaining council's minimum mm. standards and wages. And that for us is, is positive because it's not just about sourcing locally from a sweatshop, but, but sourcing locally from a, from a company that, that complies with, with minimum standards and, 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 and minimum wages. Mm-hmm. And, and it's quite interesting, I mean, uh, Etienne, uh, when, when you talk about this, because often, you know, people uh, like to think about this particular sector as um, a sector largely driven by consumer preferences. And if those change, you know, uh, consumers follow suit as well. But what you're suggesting to us is that there's also been uh, a seeming sort of a shift towards a decent work agenda and a preference for sort of more more equitable labor conditions linked to this particular sector. And uh, I guess uh, that certainly makes uh, South Africa a, um, an attractive proposition for, for, for not only local producers, but uh, also for the export market. And I want to maybe hear from you, I guess, uh, whether or not uh, you have started to see any new niches that are emerging that uh, could potentially see, I guess, uh, you know, some destination markets for South African, uh, South African produced textiles. I mean, for, for us, one of the, the most obvious niches is, is the one of, of uh, kind of a fair labor standards. You know, mm. if, if we are able to, to guarantee to a retailer, you know, that, that their supplier can present a compliance certificate from the bargaining council, that it means that, you know, there's, 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 um, you know, nothing to, 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 that, that make, uh, uh, catch up on them in the future with regards to the exploitation of labor or sweatshops, etc. We're also offering something, and 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 we think as a as a trade union that it also should be something that we we use overseas. You know, to be able to access, uh, for instance, some of the European retailers, and 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 you know, both be be able to produce or, or to present them with good product and 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 good prices, but to have the part of it which is decent work so so for us that's mm. a, that's an obvious niche we've not we've not yet achieved that and and that's something you know that that we will start to focus on we've our focus has also been on the on the local market but sure, but we sure. we do believe that's a possible niche
Yeah, yeah. Last question on my end, Etienne, before I let you go. Uh, a bold commitment here to increase uh, the proportion of locally produced fashion sold here in South Africa through to 2030. Uh, a shift from 44% currently to 65%. Uh, what is associated with this, I guess, step change in the strategy? And more importantly, uh, for yourselves as a trade union, well, what is the kind of, I guess, responsibility matrix that has been crafted out for yourselves and uh, what has been dollied out for government and uh, even for some of the producers, manufacturers and retailers as well? Yeah. So, so for instance, you know, the, the, for government, it's, it's uh, continued assistance with the incentives. You know, while, while the, the level of the incentives are significantly down compared to a few years ago because of the cuts in the, in the budget, you know, there is still support. For us as a trade union, you know, we've, um, let me just take a step back. In terms of the master plan, all the, all the different partners make, make commitments in, in terms of what they can bring to the party. And, and for us in, in this is to say, you know, what kind of, um, how can we uh, adapt or ensure that the supply chains are more adaptable, that, that you know, the, the, the way that we produce, the, the times that we produce, et cetera, fit more in with the, with the cycles of demand. It's a, it's mm. a tough ask for us. But it's, it's something that we've consulted our members about and that we will work closely with our, our structures to see how we can do that and, and some way make, a, make a, a contribution to ultimately, you know, growing these jobs. Because, you know, as you say, the, the increase to 65%, you know, will, will have, you know, will result in 70,000 additional jobs in, in, in the, the clothing and textile sector. And that's a significant amount. But we realize all of us have to, have to contribute then. Okay. Uh, Etienne, always a pleasure catching up with you. We'll uh, have to leave it there uh, for this evening. I certainly wish you all the best as uh, you undertake uh, some of those tasks. And I guess the next decade uh, will probably be uh, the uh, space where all this lofty ambition will be tested against. And uh, we'll certainly have an opportunity uh, to check in with you once again. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Ayubamba.